0: Welcome to the first episode of How's the Pressure. My name is Haley Winter, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes in the world of massage. For this season, which will be eight episodes, I'm going to interview a variety of different people. I'll be talking to therapists, business owners, and teachers about the industry and what makes it tick. I believe in order to get an inside look on this profession, all you have to do is is gather the right people, and ask them the right questions. Please keep in mind that this is my first season, and as such, the audio is going to be compromised. It will not sound as clean or as clear as I'd like, but if you bear with me, it will get better over time. This week, I'm talking to Jason Garcia, a successful and multi-talented massage therapist. Known by some as the massage professor, he has over 20 years of experience helping clients, teaching students, and he's on the precipice of launching his first book. His passion is in helping therapists reach long, sustainable careers, and that is the subject of our show today. Um, so today, hey, we have with us uh, Jason Garcia. Welcome, Jason. Great to be here. Thank you, hey. Um, you've been doing a lot of great things in uh, the field of bodywork but uh, today I wanted to bring you in to talk a little bit about the business side of massage therapy and you know it's it's something that is I feel under addressed in in the schooling side of things in the educational side we tend to focus a lot on the technique and not so much on how to use that technique to make a business
1: I couldn't agree with you more absolutely
0: and so um, what got you interested in the business of massage?
1: You know, I think maybe having done it for long enough as far as a practitioner myself and, and then as a as a and as an instructor. I think when I got into teaching fourteen years ago, I thought, okay, here's my opportunity to really make a difference in, in my profession and, and really really build some wonderful practitioners. And and so I became a body mechanics kind of expert and and, and people knew me for that. Oh, when you need body mechanics, oh, go 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 see Jason and I thought that could really create longevity in a career. And then I saw, okay, that's not creating longevity. Therapists were still leaving the profession. So I thought, okay, maybe deep tissue, trigger point, maybe a specialty. You know, so therapists getting good with their te- techniques and being effective at handling conditions and, and that did okay and they got better, but but it wouldn't keep them around for long. And then I thought, well, what, what's really at the core they seem to be more business types of uh, uh, topics and not like how do you start a business but how do you maintain a business what are the different aspects in my business of who I am that could make me successful and in the last four years of me concentrating on that with therapists that I've come across you know teaching it's really extended careers it's allowed them to be in
0: it for longer hmm. are there any like surprising statistics that you know over have found in your research uh, around bodywork. I mean, interestingly enough, I
1: think one of the statistics is how many few therapists know the percentages of who they're bringing back. <laughs> you I mean, know, return clients. Return clients. You yeah. know, I think it's one thing to say, "Hey, I know what my return clients are," because those statistics can be surprising. But how few therapists know what they're how they're performing? And if I ask, "Well, how many clients come back to you?" and it's like, "Well," I, some of them or a lot of them and and then and then questions later are like well how do i make new clients Mm -hmm. comes back to the first question of like keep the ones you have right so i think how many of us don't know what our success is based on the clients we have now
0: yeah that's it it kind of strikes to a point of you know in typical business terms that's called quality assurance right yes and customer acquisition right so it's it's these terms we don't have, we don't think to apply to body work, but they're so applicable because it is a business. Yeah. Probably terms that we're afraid of
1: as therapists. Just for you having said that, I'm like, oh my god And I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's that non therapist. <laughs> you know, that right. coming up, that apprehension of, of right. just knowing that that those are important.
0: Yes. And that they're they sound big and scary, but they're really Terms that, once we understand the true meaning of it, are important, and we agree that they're important.
1: Absolutely. Just because they have a fancy name doesn't mean it's not practical. I think it's something that we can add any day in, in, our, in our life, but certainly in our practice. And, and, and big words, shouldn't scare us. So do
0: you think that therapists tend to overestimate their ability to bring people back or underestimate? What, what do you think? The... I, think it,
1: I think it's overestimate, but I think it's also a fear. I think that when you ask people there's a real quietness and almost like I don't want to I don't want to know and and I think it comes back to that like well I'm measured by that I guess I guess you're asking me because you want to know how successful I am Mm -hmm. and as an instructor I it's almost like me finding out well how long have you done massage for people like oh i just started you're like that. that's okay i yeah. just want to know how many miles you have on those hands yes you know yeah. similarly well, how many you know how is your practice who who comes back and what does that look like and people think oh that's me about how successful no no no. i just want to know what the starting point is right and, and the fact that
0: there's a bit of an apprehension towards that well also once you put a number to that you you can now be held accountable to it it's true now, is there like a couple of like most common mistakes that therapists make with regards to the business approach to their practice? And maybe we've touched on it with this not paying attention to the returns, but is there any other ones that mistakes that, that therapists make?
1: I mean I think that um, I think we equate our techniques too much to business. I think as I as I'm out there talking with my student therapist and getting a feel for what what they're concerned about, you know, what occupies their attention, their time. It's so much about techniques. It's about what impresses them is how you got into that deltoid or how you got into that iliacus muscle where others couldn't. And, and it's very impressive and it's really neat to be able to do that. But, but but when it comes to business success, people don't come back for techniques, right? People don't come back for ultimately just. Hey, that was the best getting into my filiacus I've ever had. But it's more a matter of of, of that professional quality. Am I delivering what that person is looking for? Not just the results that I'm looking to get. Because Mm -hmm. if it were just results, well, then we wouldn't have clients coming back for feel-good stuff, right? It's not about results. It's about knowing where this person needs to feel good. And knowing when they need to feel good, not just the location and what's going on with them. And and I find as a, as a student therapist or, or a seasoned therapist is, is really planning out, you know, how is my business going to grow? How am I going to make this successful? It shouldn't come from a I need to be better at my techniques or resolving conditions, although it's important because you want to be good at what you do, but really more on the end. Of, of that that the professionalism or you know the communication that really being able to, to to bring that aspect to the client and, and know that I'm delivering a service here not just a technique
0: yeah I mean it comes into the the point of massage is just amount it's just as much building relationships as it is building trust as it is helping them with any specific physical issues. Absolutely.
1: I mean, it is where relationships come from. I mean, I don't know of a relationship that I wanted to be in that I didn't trust the person. (laughs) There's so many of these things that as you're connecting, you know, one depends on the other. And I'm always looking at, well, what's the root of that? You know, what's the foundation and what's it depend on?
0: Right. It's almost the underbelly of of the holistic aspect of massage therapy. It's not just a body on a table. It's a person and how we connect with them and how we can help them and and get them on the same page and onboard them to the process we're, we're trying to, to take them through.
1: Absolutely, and we're all so different. I think we're all so different that no one therapist is like another one. We may share the same techniques, but how we go about it is different. And when we can really give an insight to our client of, this is how I go about doing it. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm gonna work on. How does that sound to you? And when the person says, I like how that sounds, they're on board with that relationship. It's where it starts. As opposed to, I know what's needed. Get on the table, I'm going to solve it all. That's not a relationship. No, that's an ego trip. It is. It is. It's too much of a, I know what needs to be done. And I think that's, you know, really, bad to put what's a mistake that that, that the therapist makes and students and maybe earlier in our profession, it's exactly that. You know, we put that that burden on on us to be able to know what to do and where to do it, when in actuality, that's not what it should be. You should know what you're doing and the techniques and feel confident, but it's up to us to really figure out and find out from
0: that person, you know, each time they come in, where can that be? And is there like any psychological themes or common threads that you find among therapists that find themselves struggling on a business side of things, uh, mental traps they get themselves into or anything like that? That's a good, that's a good
1: question. I, I, I think that um, it, things get very personal. I think when it comes to a therapist, like any human, right, what, what's not clicking, it always comes back to what am I not doing? What am I lacking? What am I missing here? You know, why is that therapist succeeding more than I am? It becomes very inward. It becomes very much one judging themselves for what they're lacking or what they don't have. And often I see that what creates a lot of the turmoil. When I'm working with therapists, whether it's in a class setting or coaching them one-on-one, so much of it is to really build up their confidence and say, everybody goes through this. You know, the, the, the past five therapists I've worked with have gone through this. Just make an effort, tell me, give this a try and when the person gives it a try immediately they come back and say three of the five people rebook because i asked them that question you told me to ask and then it becomes a part of them and that confidence changes where nothing actually was added or taken away from them it was just a different spin on what they've already been doing which is just choosing different words
0: yeah that's uh that's interesting it's a nice way of phrasing that in in my in my classes when i talk to people about this it's It's always, yeah, that fear of like, oh, what am I, what do I not have? And it's actually, no, it's like, no, what are you not doing? Yes, exactly. It's not who you are. It's what you're doing. Without
1: a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many of of our clients get on board within those first two to five minutes that we have talking with them before we even put our hands on them. I think they already have screened, I want to see this therapist again, or, you know, I'm not feeling it
0: here. That's, I think, a strong skill to to learn as a therapist to not take things personally. Absolutely. And instead to be introspective and say, what can I do to make, to, to shift this current paradigm that I'm, I'm working with? Yes. In your mind, how much should a capable and skilled massage therapist be making in a metropolitan area? Per year, I would
1: say. Uh, that's a good, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think it, I, I think back to numbers that I've heard in the past. I think that there was somebody who, and I forget where I saw this, but they had a big thing with massage therapists and putting the question out: How many of you are making fifty thousand or more? There seemed to be this like this fifty thousand or more club, (laughs) and it seemed like, oh, that's a big number. And you know, years ago I thought, yeah. I'd love to hit fifty thousand dollars, you know, and then you start to hear, oh, what about double? What about a hundred thousand? That's kind of unheard of, you know. Somebody to say, oh, you're making a hundred thousand. So I think I think it's certainly more than fifty thousand dollars, and a hundred thousand would be great, and it's doable. Hundred thousand is doable, and I, I've thought about it. I've done the numbers and thought, what is it? It's very capable. I just don't think it's a number we tend to look at. If I were to choose a range, it would be fifty thousand starting to maybe seventy five thousand would be a good good, good amount
0: and that's starting as in like coming out of school or? coming
1: out of school I mean goodness it'd be more like a thirty to fifty i yeah. I think you can you know yeah. I think, I, I, twenty years ago when I went to school, you know there was somebody in school who was charging a hundred dollars for her massage, and she was doing great. I don't know how she did after that, but I thought, well, what does she <laughs> have that I don't? confidence yeah <laughs> but she just said i'm gonna charge 100 and she started and she got clients that pay her that and i think looking back 20 years later that's what we need i think whoever has the confidence to say i'm going to charge this is going to find people that will or, or they don't and then the market kind of decides this is how you can charge 50 you supply charge, and demand it truly is and if we don't put our mark at a number that we feel this is what i deserve this is what i'm happy with you know, it really starts to affect us back again, internally and inward, to say, "I'm not worth that." Right. Where's
0: yeah. there's two there's two um, pieces that I bring in when I talk about this with students is that that I ask them, so "What is the value of a massage or your massage?" Right. And there's actually two components of it. And you know, I got therapists saying uh, uh, fifty dollars or sixty dollars or eighty dollars or one hundred and twenty dollars. And uh, I said, "Well, the the real answer is some combination of what someone will pay for it, and what you can own." Absolutely. And it's it's shocking to people to like realize it's not a number yeah. that's like consistent for everyone. No. And and,
1: and it's funny you say that because I wonder what that would be like if you maybe before asking that said well these are people who have an income of two hundred thousand dollars or more a year and these are people who have an income of thirty thousand dollars i think that that number would change and how the person the therapist felt about that number they wouldn't think twice to say oh i'll charge 180 dollars to that whatever and i would charge Forty dollars, and I would feel bad if I charged them this much. I think we come in internally with like what people make versus what we're worth, right? And it's you know, it's I think it's an endless topic. Totally, (laughs) to explore.
0: I think it kind of exposes like the 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 under undermining mindset that we sometimes bring to certain situations and certain. problems that we incur. It's like, oh, well, I always thought that, you know, what about the people that can't afford the massage? You know, if I charge $150 an hour, what about the starving artist? And I said, there's nothing that says you have to charge the starving artist artist $150 for the hour of massage. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I massage my family more than anybody else, and I don't charge them a penny. (laughs) You know, they're my best clients. And there's a real joy when I think when you can charge the amount that you are comfortable with and, and give away, or at a low price, or just give away to the people who you think you shouldn't charge. I, don't, I think that we need to make a living doing this. Absolutely. It's not easy.
0: <laughs> I think that, yeah, when, you know, for people coming out of school, there's, there's definitely a room and space for discounts and, and, and making things available to different uh, levels of, of income. However, for me, like, I feel like when you get to a certain, um, a certain income and a certain uh, status in, in the field, it's almost better to charge a lot or not at all. Absolutely. And then it just makes things really clear. Yes. I know from my own practice, I don't charge for outcalls. Mm-hmm. I don't almost ever do outcalls, but it's a it's a boundary I put. If I'm going to someone's house, they're receiving that money for they're receiving that massage for free. Absolutely. In some ways, it actually puts a little bit of a hold on it because they feel a little guilty receiving massage for free, so they're less likely to ask me to do it. And the only time I'm actually going to do it is if they're in an emergency and they need it. And I feel like I'm in a space to give it. Uh, yes.
1: I mean, I, I always, I mean, it's a great way to look at it. And, and I think similarly for me, regardless of what environment I'm in, and, you know, if it's a $30 massage or a $200 massage, that, that, that I let the individual tell me when there's something that they can't meet financially. If, if the person who I'm charging 30 says, you know what, it's a little too much for me, then I'm going to say, well, what, what, what can work for you? You know, 15-minute session, 30-minute session, more homework for you to have. Similarly with the $200 person. If they say, I can't pay the $200, I say, what can work for you? Because, you know, it may mean more homework for you to take home with you. There's always a way to figure things out where I don't have to put the burden on myself for my value. But when somebody speaks out and says... I can't meet you, that then I come with open arms and say, that's okay, because you've expressed interest and you're here sharing this space with me. And I feel blessed to have you here as well. How can we make this work? Right. Do you have any good rules with regards to raising your rates? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. So many times, I've worked a lot for other companies, and and I like that. I like working where I get a percentage and I have my own private practice where I see clients that I've seen for 12 to 14 years. So I think it's different. I think when you're working with a third party and contracting to say, you know, wow, what are their rates going to go up? And, and, you know, I need to be comfortable with that because I don't have control over that. And then there's my own personal rates. And, and I think when I'm, I'm raising them over, you know, 20 years, you know, I think that I was ch- charging probably half of what I was charging now. And, and over time, I have increased those. I think that When it's something that feels like I've had added training, I have more skills to be able to do this, and for me to think about, well, why am I charging more? Is it that I'm better at what I'm doing? Is it that I'm more effective? Is it that I have less time to see people? There need to be reasons for that. Not just, hey, it's been two years, seems about right. When I come in thinking, wow, that year I spent learning those techniques. You know, now I I know how to do trigger point work. Now I know how to do myofascial release. Those are reasons that in time, the maturity and the being able to have more ability to do things and just investing the time and money in myself gives me that ability to raise. How much I raise... Generally, it's not going to be more than ten to fifteen percent at a time. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a good amount where people aren't going to be like, "Wow, thirty percent more—that's a huge jump." I'm not going to lose a lot of people to increase it a little bit, but when it comes with a good reason.
0: Following off of that, do you think that it's a good enough reason if your practice is full to raise your rates, as in you don't have more time, so your 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 demand has been maxed out. Mm-hmm. And to decrease that demand, you have to raise your rates.
1: I think strategically and business-wise, probably it makes more sense than any other reason to raise one's rates, right? I mean, if I am in a place where I'm seeing 15 clients and and now there's a wait list or people aren't getting in, that's a pretty good time to raise your rates. It's the, 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 the market is defining you as being more in demand. And I think when that happens, One really has to, you know, take a step back and and look, okay, this is more about business. And and it's okay to see it that way. We should give ourselves the room to be able to do that and make decisions that other companies would too. I think where it gets a little murky is how does that person feel about it? That therapist feels this is only a business decision and there's no actual value behind it. It gets tough because you know, they're going to be those clients that are going to say, Well, why are you doing this? and they're going to make you feel a little bad. And if you internally don't know why and, and really feel like this is a decision that I need to make and should make, yeah, then it, you know, you start to think twice about it. But no better reason than that. It really, supply and demand is a, is a good reason to be able to raise one's rates <laughs> and certainly popularity. Right? I think it thins out your clientele less than you would imagine.
0: In my personal experience, whenever I've raised my rates, I've only lost between five and maybe ten percent of my clientele when I was expecting twenty percent. Yes. And in all in all, I end up making more money the first month after I raise my rates than I do, you know, the month before it, even though I've lost some people. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I see a consistency like that myself too.
0: There is also a I, I I often recommend giving a long wait. Period. It's like letting people know far in advance. It's a lot, you know, similar to when a body's on a table and you're asking muscle or um, the system to accept or change really fast. Often you get a lot of resistance. But if you go nice and slow, the body's much more accepting. The same thing is true psychologically with regards to the finances. I think if you give them six months, three months, it makes a big difference. And I,
1: I think it absolutely does to give that space and cushion and a reason behind it. I think if you verbalize to that client, this is why I'm doing it. For whatever reason you have that you can really own and and, and walk in with, there's no arguing now, right? There's, I get it, and I'm I'm on board with you. Or, I'm not on board with you, and that's okay, too. I, I, I would say having a list of therapists that do charge a lower rate and saying, hey, that's okay, client. There's John and Sue and David that are over there, and I really trust their work, and, you know, you should give them a try. You hmm. really would put a real notch on your hat of being the most professional practitioner
0: that that person's ever seen. Right. Uh, if you could say one thing to all massage students right now, what would it be? And would it be different than what you would say to massage practitioners? Hmm. Good question.
1: I think that one recommendation I've made often to therapists, and, and I'd say two of them took me up on this, is to join a public speaking group like Toastmasters. And it's a group I was with for, for a few years, and I think more than any other group, before I even became a massage therapist, that group gave me more insight as to communicating with clients, being able to, to read them a little bit as well, feel confident to talk to them. And I think that, that that's where we're lacking a bit. If, if there were some advice I had to give a new therapist or, or a veteran therapist, is to really look at their communication skills. That That's the first professional skill, I would say, that needs to, to, to come forward, because if we can't communicate the things that we're doing, why we're doing, what we envision for this person, then what we're actually doing is going to be lost. I don't know of any therapist that's able to resolve carpal tunnel syndrome or sciatica that didn't see their client more than once. I think when we can really put that at the forefront to say it's not about repeat business or seeing people or rebooking, it's about actually doing the things that these books talk about, right? Well, how does it what does it take to get that person there? It's repetition. Whether it's you as the practitioner seeing them again and again or us giving them homework, it's establishing that relationship. And relationships don't come from massage. They come from conversation. They come from finding value in what somebody has to say.
0: Well, I can say that personal experience, this is going to be very valuable content for therapists and prospective therapists. Well, so thank you, thank so you for bringing that into the world. Appreciate it, Haley. All right. Have a nice day and uh, thanks for coming. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening in today. I hope you were able to find some valuable nuggets in this conversation. Please do join us again. And if you have any questions or comments, or you want to learn more about today's guest, you can find the information through our website at www.howsthepressure.com. Until next time, be well and take care of yourselves.